Yesterday, I saw online that FedEx is behind on deliveries and that they need drivers for the holidays. If it weren't for the holidays being a pretty busy time here at the church, I would seriously consider it. I've long dreamed of employment where every 60 seconds or so, I accomplished something. <laughs> I used to think grocery store checkout or mailwoman, so the job info made me smile. I'm a people person, so the mail or delivery of packages might get kind of lonely. FedEx would almost be a happy medium. You get to see people, but you have space in between for thinking and quiet and listening to the high women or Hamilton or Marisol and Adam's podcast. If you ever get an email from me, you're likely to see that my sign-off is always grace and peace, Sarah. I'm a believer that the world needs more of both. Of course, those two things aren't unrelated. With more grace, there would be more peace. Grace is a choice of how you enter into spaces and what you offer in the midst of conflict or strife. I'm not trying to be Pollyannish. I know there is great turmoil all around us. Gun violence, economic strife, mental distress. It is difficult to find peace. In a church where people are deeply convicted about the injustices of the world, it can feel impossible to find peace. You can find protesters proclaiming no justice, no peace in the streets, a recognition of the relationship between the two. As injustice that continues to be all around disrupts and eliminates the peace we all yearn for. When people suffer endlessly, when violence surrounds us, when we begin to feel impotent to make any substantial changes, we struggle to find peace. Add to that a religious tradition that documents the holy workings of the one we follow, explaining that every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. The cousin of Jesus, John the Baptist, provides an introduction to the Prince of Peace, saying, I baptize you with water for repentance, but the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire his winnowing fork in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, and he will gather his wheat into the granary, but the chafe he will burn with unquenchable fire. That's a, a lot of heat for the bad fruit trees and the chafe that remains once the wheat has been gathered. Generally, chafe is defined as, chaff is defined as worthless trash, which feels like a pretty harsh metaphor for understanding our relationship to the Holy One. Much like last week's scripture, where you come from in the church family tree usually impacts how you receive this. For many, this framework, it impacts our understanding of the nature of God. From it comes an understanding of God where some are in and some are out, and the stakes, they are very high. It's like getting on the team or being sentenced to a fiery death pit. It's a bit intense. It might even make you do crazy things, like evil things in the name of God. 
I suspect many of you can conjure in your imagination a handful of Christian faithful who feel it is so important to draw the lines they forget the proclamations of grace central to the life and ministry of Jesus. It's not as if the unrest of the world comes despite the work of faithful Christians. We are just as likely to hear that the unrest comes because of those who claim the Christian faith. The call to repent in the scriptures today, it is a call to the most religious of the day, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. John the Baptist reminds them they can't assume that their ancestry will be enough. This call to repent, it is a vital part of the faith we claim. In his book, Speaking Christian, Marcus Borg reminds us that that word repent, it has a much richer meaning than we have often acknowledged. It literally means to turn or to return. Borg addresses the call to repentance in the New Testament, dissembling the Greek roots of the word that means to go beyond the mind we have. The religious faithful of Jesus' day ultimately bring him to his death. To, to suggest that they may have needed a new way of thinking and being, it's, it's kind of an understatement. That call to repent in our faith, it asks us to transform and to change our lives. It is also a call to turn or return to God as the change agent in our lives. So perhaps this call to peace is just that as well. The season of Advent continues to ask us to hold space for the space in between what we yearn for and the place where we find ourselves. It calls us to the spiritual disciplines of our faith. And peace, it is central to our being grounded in the ways of the holy. This doesn't mean that we never get angry or anxious. It means we learn to live in the in-between space, preparing for the realities all around us and choosing to ground ourselves in the ways of peace. Thich Nhat Hanh, in the book Being Peace, writes, it is not by going out for a demonstration against nuclear missiles that we can bring about peace. It is with our capacity of smiling, breathing, and being peace that we can make peace. I'm not suggesting that you shouldn't go out to protest nuclear missiles or climate change or whatever takes you to the streets or encourages you to speak up or speak out. I'm just suggesting that the ultimate aim of peace cannot be found outside the ways of peace and it requires that we ground ourselves in peace. Over three years ago, I was blessed to travel with clergy colleagues from this area to the Holy Land. Well, there, we met with various peace activists who, not surprisingly, overlap, much like our community. If you go out into the worlds of justice and peace, those different groups all overlap. Their relationships and their work was not done in isolation, despite the very different manifestations of their peace work. One organization called the Parents Circle was for people who lost a loved one to the violence in Israel-Palestine. 
These are, these are Palestinian parents whose children died at the hands of an Israeli soldier, and there are parents of uh, Israeli parents whose children died at the hands of Hamas. This parents circle, it seeks to bridge the divide of hatred and entrenched positions to find the common humanity on both sides. Beginning in 2001, the parents circle began a service called Hello Peace, Hello Shalom, Shalom, Hello Salam. It's funded from the European Union, and it's a service that invited Israelis and Palestinians to speak to one another. I mentioned this when I returned from the Holy Land trip, but there's a whole bunch of you who weren't here. So, here's what would happen. People would call in. They would press one if they were Israeli, or two if they were Palestinian. Then they would identify the language they could speak in. They would be paired with others. An, an interpreter would be provided if needed. The others they were paired with were people across the border wall. So Palestinians with Israelis and Israelis with Palestinians. Over one million calls took place, opening minds and hearts and possibilities. They report that the power of dialogue led to friendships. Callers reconnected with each other over and after any kind of terrorist attacks. They were making sure that their friends were okay. It influenced the children. One Palestinian asked a Jewish Israeli to speak with his children to lessen their fears. One of the rabbis connected to the project acknowledges that this is just a drop in the bucket. But here's the thing. Peace must be rooted in faith and hope, and it knows that love is the only way. And truth be told, peace that we find for ourselves, it only impacts the world when we share it in relationship. The work of peaceful existence is not about withdrawing from the challenges of the world, despite our kids' very clear awareness that the place where we find it most is alone and in the quiet. It is the central core of achieving peace on a more macro level. Thich Nhat Hanh explains that his practice as a Buddhist helps him remain in society because he is aware that if he leaves society, he will not change it. On the flip side of that, those deeply committed to peace, protesting in the streets, those who say no justice, no peace, they must come to an awareness that the ability to achieve justice ultimately will come from the ways of peace. It's a complicated dance that requires a balanced approach. In Henry Nouwen's book, Making All Things New, he writes, Jesus does not respond to our worried-filled way of living by saying that we should not be so busy with worldly affairs. He does not try to pull us away from the many events and activities and people that make up our lives. He does not tell us that what we do is unimportant or valueless or useless. Nor does he suggest that we should withdraw from our involvement and live quiet, restful lives removed from the struggles of the world. Instead, he asks us to shift the point of gravity, to relocate the center of attention, to change our priorities. Jesus wants us to move from the many things to the one necessary thing. It is important for us to realize that Jesus in no way wants us to leave our many-faceted world. Rather, he wants us to live in it, now and continues, firmly rooted in the center of all things. 
Jesus does not speak about a change of activities, a change in contacts, or even a change of pace. He speaks about a change of heart. This change of heart makes everything different, even though everything appears to remain the same. That is why peace can be claimed even in the midst of so much that is not peaceful. As someone who's strong, independent, and convicted, I sometimes recognize that my presence isn't peaceful per se. I'm a strong presence. They say eights on the Enneagram are like a bull in a china shop. I hate that metaphor mostly because it's true. But here is the thing. There is nothing inherently violent about the bull. A china shop is prone to the danger of broken dishes. And bulls are just, by their nature, not so delicate. And they don't fit in aisles so easily. A bull can be at peace. A wolf can lie with a lamb. In the realm we yearn for, they will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of God. Those are the words of the prophet Isaiah. In being peace, Thich Nhat Hanh likes to use talking, he likes to talk about um, a small boat that's crossing the Gulf of Siam. He explains that in Vietnam there are many people, they're called boat people, who leave the country in small boats. Often the boats are caught in rough seas or storms. The people may panic and the boats may sink. But even if one person can remain calm and lucid, knowing what to do and what not to do, he or she can help the boat survive. In their expression, through their face and voice, they communicate clarity and calmness, and people have trust in that person. They will listen to what he or she says. One such person can save the lives of many. He continues, our world is something like a small boat. Compared to the cosmos, our planet is a very small boat. We are about to panic because our situation is no better than the sea. Humankind has become a very dangerous species. We need people who can sit still and be able to smile, who could walk peacefully. We need people like that in order to save us. Mahayana Buddhism says that you are that person. That each of you is that person. I am a follower of the way. Jesus is my jam. But don't think I don't wonder who Jesus turned to. He was a Jew. He knelt and he prayed to Abba, the Holy One, the center of all things. Much like Buddha, Jesus knew there was a center, a groundedness, a place to root oneself, oneself that transcends the chaos of living. That chaos wants you to believe that you cannot have peace, but you can. May Advent be the waiting time, and may peace continue to be cultivated and made real in you. The peace that is in you 
is the peace that can save the world. Amen.